Ooh, it's warm up here. Bear, you didn't tell me the audience was going to be so hot. <laughs> when I was 28, I moved to Los Angeles without a job and no money to pursue my love of film, which I had had since I was 10 years old, and my parents signed a release form that allowed me to watch the 1970s classic film, Bus Safety Video. <laughs> it was appropriately titled, Danger Zones. Because every time a kid did something wrong on the bus, they would die. <laughs> Drop a valentine while crossing the street, dead. Stand on a snowbank while next to a bus, dead. Throw a ball of yarn on the bus, not dead, gravely injured. In third grade, we had no idea what that word meant, but we knew that when that bell rang, we were not getting on that bus. And that's when I understood the uh, uh, yes, transformative power of film, and I wanted it. And I felt as an Alaskan, you know, maybe Hollywood was too big of a dream for me. But at 28, even though I had no money, I felt I had something of value. It was an MBA. <laughs> and if you don't know, MBA stands for must be awesome. And the quality of your MBA is 100% dependent on how awesome it makes you feel. And so, armed with my awesomeness, I got interviews at production companies and talent agencies, but no job. So I signed up at Central Casting, which is where aspiring actors and ex-felons go to book work <laughs> as a background artist or an extra. And because I fit between the looks of hipster and distinguished professional, I got booked a lot. And I got my 15 frames of fame on the TV show Entourage. Yeah, that guy named Jeremy Piven, one of the main actors, comes down in a helicopter. He lands, he comes out, rushing out of the helicopter, right up to me, and he goes, Vinny Chase, where the fuck is Vinny Chase? And I take my finger and point. <laughs> but I wasn't there to be an actor. I wanted to be a producer, and it was on the set of Mad Men that I met Michael Lombardo, the number two at HBO. He was there waiting for someone who never showed up, but I was there. <laughs> so for 45 minutes, I told him how awesome I was. <laughs> and then I got called off to wardrobe and put into character. I rushed out. And I saw him walking to his car. And I said, Michael, Michael. He looked at me. He didn't recognize me. And it wasn't because of who he was as a person. It's because I was now dressed up as a 1960s choir boy. <laughs> and this 1960s choir boy said, Michael, it's me, Ross. And he looked at me and he said, Ross, I like you. You have hustle. If you call HR... You mention my name, we will get you in. So the next day, I called HR, I mentioned his name, 
and they got me in. The path to producer goes assistant, creative exec, associate producer, producer. They got me in there as temporary assistant. <laughs> and I temped at a couple of desks, and then they assigned me to Lynn Amato for three months, the head of HBO Films. And as his assistant, I read all of his emails, I controlled his schedule, I listened and took notes on all of his phone calls, I got him coffee, I did him whatever he wanted, and I was Lynn's worst assistant. <laughs> and I know this because he, I read all of his emails and he sent one to HR Subject line, new assistant, please, exclamation point. <laughs> Where he wanted someone with a, a strong attention to detail. I was more big picture. <laughs> Where he wanted someone who was cool and dispassionate on the phone. I was Alaskan, very friendly. And where he wanted someone who was unnoticed. I had an MBA. Luckily, his request was denied. <laughs> and Lynn would just sit there, scowling at me between meetings. And because I didn't like him scowling, and because I controlled his calendar, I gave him less time between meetings. <laughs> Eventually, I got better, and he put up with me. And one day, Lynn walked away from his desk, and the phone rang. I picked it up. It was Richard Plepler, the head of HBO. And I said, sorry, Plepler, Lynn isn't available, but he will call you back. When Lynn came back, he said, did I miss any phone calls? And I said, yes, your boss, Plepler, called. He goes, what? When Plepler calls, I am always available, and you come find me. So we rang Plepler back. He didn't pick up. And of course, Lynn wanders away from his desk. <laughs> and of course, the phone rings. Plepler? Yes, one moment, Lynn will be with you. I put him on hold, pushed away from the desk, grabbed a hold of my headset, and I ran as fast as I could, halfway across the building, slammed open the door, Lynn turned at me in shock as he was peeing at the urinal. <laughs> and I said, Plepler's on the phone. And he just sat there laughing. <laughs> and I said, you get what you ask for. <laughs> Ran back. I said, Plepler, Lynn will be right with you. Lynn sauntered back to the desk. He took the call, and when he hung up, he looked at me, and he said, Ross, you did good today. <laughs> I gushed with pride, but then I thought about the circumstances around my first and only compliment. <laughs> and I realized that Hollywood was no longer the bus I want it to be on. Thank you.